So, so you were brought up in the in the northeast. You started out at for Martin. Is that right? I, I was born in the northeast in, in in a village called Tarvis, but with my family commitments, my, my father kind of changed jobs quite a bit. So I actually was brought up um, in a variety of places. I'd, I'd moved to like eighteen or nineteen times all over the UK, and I actually started my football um, my football journey. And as I say, at the age of four, I joined a. Uh, Letchworth Garden City Eagles they were called because we're based down in London I was down there for three four years and eventually moved back up north um, to a little village back to Tarvis so to speak um, prior to that we were at a, a, a little house in the middle of nowhere um, not far from Methlick so I actually went to school Cairnory School some of the listeners might know where that is but it's closed now it's shut down but there was only like 28 people there Premier 3 going to Premier 4 and we, we were a five-a-side team played five-a-sides indoors and, and outdoors in the summer obviously and that's really where I kind of got the competitive side of things and then at the age of Premier 4 moved into Tarvis hooked up with a couple of guys in there that were in my class that played played for a local team and it was actually calling the boys club that I, I joined and I was there until I was all through my juvenile career till I was um, age 16 to be honest So was there anyone in, in your age group at that time that you've kind of went on and, and played with? The North East had quite a lot of um, a lot of talent there wasn't the same opportunities as there is now for, for players um, I mean back then you had you had Aberdeen as a team obviously as a, as a full-time team I mean the Callies and the counties of this world were there in, a, in, a, in the youth side of things nor on the on the on the full time front, you know, like said Peter Head and, and and whatnot, we're still playing high league football. I actually, I mean, the juvenile leagues that we had in Aberdeen were very strong. I wouldn't say it. We, we we played a couple of the central belt um, full time teams, you know, we played Dungeon United, we played Hearts, we played um, we played Celtic. I mean, don't get me wrong, the further south you went, it got a bit more challenging. There's no getting away from that. But um, our boys club team at sixteens played, you know, played played Aberdeen. It was predominantly made up of of, of Glaswegian boys at the time. Um, played Dundee United and Hearts, I say, and, and, and we worked the floor with them. Players that I know of that have gone on to play, play in senior football. A boys' club team, for example, Neil Murray, who went on to play, had a good career at Bucky Thistle. We had Craig Cunningham, had a spell in the Highland League for a bit. We had Kenny Taws. Kenny Taws went all the way to Keith and then Dunfermline. Andy Perry, Chris Garden, Chris Morrison. You know, boys have all flirted with the Highland League to an extent. In the same league, we had boys like sort of... Um, Boomer played against Boomer for years, you know, played in the same select schemes, um, team as him, Scott Fraser. And Stevie Bartlett's at, uh, was a fantastic player, played majority of his career in the, in, in the junior level, but in fairness should have played at a far higher level. The Mintlaw Banff boys, you know, Stuart Anderson, you had uh, Stuart Gray, Carl Faramond, yeah, Billy Walker. There's so many different players that, I mean, Stevie Watt is another one, you know, that we all kind of play that kind of that kind of that kind of time and um I actually got an eye opener when I went full time that the standard of what we had up north I felt was ahead of what was in the central belt. As I say, that was purely down to logistics if I'm being honest. Um throughout my kind of boys club career as as I would say I, I played select for the for the league select, I went and played in the national select team. And I, I kinda of had trials all over the all over the all over the all over the country, so to speak, and, and, and rubbed shoulders with guys that um that all went kind of full time at the, um, at the age of sixteen. Yeah, the opportunities that were for, for guys down the central belt was was far greater than the guys up in the north. You know, um, just because there was more more clubs, simple as that. You know, I think you actually had three leagues. If I'm being honest, I think there was an A and a B and a C. Now it's just not the same commitment for for, for youngsters nowadays. Youngsters nowadays playing football. You know, like being sexist, we grew up. It was boys played football, girls played netball, and that was the two options. If you didn't play football, you played rugby. You know, um, occasionally some boys played field hockey, but that was about it. You know, nowadays there's so much opportunities for for, for youngsters that there's maybe not the same, um, there's maybe not the same funnel of players going into playing football. You know, um, with different interests, and that 
that's just part of life, you know. Junior football was an, it was an enjoyable time, and and I say I've, I've I've remained friends with a lot of the boys that I played with back then. And yeah, you were saying you you went on a lot of trials. So what what sort of clubs were you were you were you on trials? Well, well, when, I, when I say trials, I mean it wasn't necessarily trials for for full time clubs. It was more trials for like um, select squads, or it was like national squads, or it was um, I had the schoolboy select, and then I had the league selects. The schoolboy select was obviously regionalised, so I was part of the Aberdeen Shire select that obviously played against Aberdeen City select. And then you had all the selects would go together to then try and get into the the the, the, the schoolboy select team. So I had a variety of them sort of trials. My my first trial for Aberdeen actually came at the age of twelve, um, and I can never quite understand how 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 that worked in the terms of I went to trial to Aberdeen with a guy called Ben Jackman. Now, Ben Chapman had a very good, successful career in, uh, in junior football for Allen United. Ben was a very good player as a kid. But Ben was also three years older than me. Now, the difference between a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old is colossal. But we were all training together. You know, there was there was 12-year-olds. And, and, and Clark Bain, I remember being with Clark Bain, who was a year older than me as well, so Clark would have been 13. And I was 12, and it was just like, how can a 12-year-old boy compete with a 15-year-old boy? You know, it was just it was mental. I remember there were 30 or 40 people we then trained at the, the Chris Anderson Stadium at the time. And I mean, I'll be honest, I was, I was miles out of my depth just purely because of, of the age and physique. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of central belt boys as well that were there, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Um, and that was, that was I was in there for two, three weeks and then I realised I was never going to make that grade at the age of 12. You know? I think that's probably because back then, I mean, I can't remember too much about it, but I'm probably assuming there wasn't as many youth team youth teams in Aberdeen at that time. I mean, now you've got, I think there's one for every year group now at Aberdeen. No, it's, a, it's a fantastic setup for any kid coming into the game. And that was my my, my only real exposure to um, to to getting into a, an academy at a young age. Obviously, in time, I, I then went on and played against the likes of your, your Hibston United, etc. Yeah. Growing up, obviously playing with, um, I played with Schoolboy Select and we, we played against Dundee United at, uh, down at Tannadice and the, the Astro next door. So, I mean, I was exposed to them sort of games, but um, I mean, I look back at my football career. And it, I mean, things happen for reasons, you know. But it's um, it, it's I often think what ifs, a lot of things where I could have been or what I could have, what, what I could have achieved. I mean, I, I went to Ellen Academy. Ellen Academy predominantly was a was a rugby and a, a rugby and a hockey um, mm-hmm. school. Didn't really promote football from being brutally honest. Whereas on the flip side, if you go to Mint Law Bam, you know, where Stuart Nielsen was. You know, the world's your kind of oyster sort of thing. You know, they, they actively promoted it. Um, and I mean, if I'm being brutally honest, I've got a lot to thank for um, uh, a close friend of mine called Duncan Massey. Duncan Massey was the head PE teacher at, El- at uh, Inverurie Academy, Big Barn. Mm. So Duncan obviously knows Stuart Nielsen quite well. So they were doing the tryouts at the age of 13, 14, 15 for schoolboys, selects and stuff like that. Obviously, there was no representation from Ellen Academy. We I mean, actually had quite a good school team, but it wasn't something that was promoted from the school. Um, and Duncan, obviously, from the local village, knew myself and a couple of other friends that um, Kenny Taws and guy called Kyle Henderson. And he, he also mentioned, look, why are they three not here for the trials? Because they should be. Um, we got the call, came across, and ironically, the three of us got into the squad sort of thing. Um, but it shows the kind of differences that school promotion would have been a, would have been maybe a different thing for, you know, Um and that's something that I kind of look back and I was when I look back, I'm a little bit annoyed at the school for not promoting it as much as they should have. But um, as I say, 
managed to get to, to where I did off my, my own back in the end, which was which was something I'm, I'm quite proud of, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, so um, how, how did the opportunity to, to go to Dunfermline um, come, come about? So, age 12 or 13, um, I was really close to two guys in the village, myself, um, Kyle and Kenny, that I mentioned beforehand there. And um, we obviously all trialled out for the, the select squad, and, and, and I was fortunate enough to get into the select team one of the only country boys, the rest were made up for guys from Aberdeen. And we went away to Ireland at the age of 12 or 13. And yeah, we, we, we went away and, and, and the guy that took that was a guy called Brian Thompson. Now, Brian Thompson started the, if you know the high league teams, the high league teams back then didn't really have a youth league. Mm. It wasn't a case, there, wasn't a, there was a reserve team, I think on a Monday, but there wasn't really a, a youth team league. And I, I got a phone call at the age of 14 from Brian saying, Craig, I hadn't seen him for two years, spoke to him, phone out of the blue. Craig, we're starting up a, a key youth team. I said, okay. He says, on a Sunday, he says, do you fancy coming up for a trial? I says, look, got a whole trials, but I want you to come and, come and play. And I said, this is, I've got a couple of pals. I says, look, take them up as well if you fancy. He says, yeah, bring them up, not a problem. My mate Kyle didn't fancy it, but my mate Kenny Toss did. So Kenny's dad used to drive us up on the Sunday. We got in the squads. And before you know it, what you found was the boys club teams on the Saturday, and it's what it is now, three or four from different teams, joined together to become a team on a Sunday and you'd play, you know, you'd play in all the grounds, which was fantastic at the time. You know, we played out of Kynick Park and um, obviously we played out of all the, all the other all, all the grounds, you know, and it, it was a great experience. We were only 14, 15 at the time. Um, and I was doing really well at the age of 15. Martin Allen, I think, was the manager at the time. And there was talk of me, I mean, at that age, at the age of 15, I was playing, I was a bit like a Highland League like a highly uh, prostitute in that aspect because I was playing on a Monday night with pretty much any team that wanted me sort of thing in the reserves. Like I knew Alec Mayer through school football, so I was playing with uh, Fraser Barra occasionally on a Monday. I played with Inverary Locos because the tie-in with, with Colony Park on a Monday occasionally. I played with Bar- I played at Devon Vale one night with uh, with Greg Carroll there. Um, I think who else I played with? Played with played with played with Locos. Played with uh, I think I played a game at Elgin as well. Um, so I just bounced about playing football on a Monday night. Keith I was doing quite well with, and it was talking me getting in with the first team um, at the age of 15, 16. But long story short, I won't go into it. Basically, Keith ended up releasing me because I wasn't turning up to games. Um, I wasn't made aware of games, and it wasn't like me to, to not go to football matches, so to speak. Um, and ironically, my, my, my best mate at the time, the boy Kenny Tawes, Kenny Tawes ended up getting in the first team. And then he gets his move to Dunfermline at the age of 16 or 17. You know, he went full-time after fourth year, which was fantastic, absolutely delighted for him. So I kind of like looked back at a lot of things, played juvenile football for so long, and I did okay at juvenile football, um, and decided that I'd kind of missed the boat at, at 15, 16, because I wasn't full-time with anybody. Now, I mean, you look at Stevie Watt at 15, was playing in under 16's Victory Shield squad. Any semi-decent player or decent enough player was playing, it went full-time, normally played in that victory squad, victory shield squad, normally get picked up. So I kind of like reviewed what I was doing. It was around the we finished under 16 football at Conley Park. And it was at that age where I was, I was one of the older ones in the year. So did um, was going back to do my hires. And um, the only sole aim I had to go and do hires was to try and play international football for the school. That was it. There was no other reason for going to school. Um, under-18s, because if you look at juvenile football, under-18s tends to be the guys that stay on after under-16s, for example, because they like a game of football. But things start changing. Guys start getting involved in alcohol and 
yeah, and girls and all that. So, yeah. so people go their different ways. It's just part and parcel of growing up. Yeah. And all the best players from the league, and I remember we all signed for um, so the same guys I've known for years, played against, competed against, and played in select squads and stuff. We all signed for um, Aberdeen Lads Club. Um, uh, and the whole intention was all the best players signed for a Lads Club will walk the league, but the plan was to try and win the Scottish Cup because we never won the Scottish Cup. Um, and I remember playing a pre-season friendly at under-18s and I just thought, this isn't for me. We played um, the Lads Club Juniors team. I think we were like 3-0 up after 15 minutes and I just thought, we're playing boys we men here and we're the boys, you know, we're, we're battling them. And I just thought, I need to get out of this. So, went back to school, but in the same time, decided to go and play for Ellen United Juniors for because uh, the guys I grew up at school with, they're a bit older than me. I used to play a lot with the older guys. Um, this is come and play. So at the age of like 17, I just joined Ellen United. I was there for four games under Bob Scott, played really well, scored a couple of goals. Dave Cormie got wind of this because Dave was at Martin at the time. And I've known Dave for, for well, since I was a kid because I played with Bruce, his oldest son. Um, so Dave got wind of it when he was at Martin. So look, Craig, come along, see what you think about Martin. I said, I can't guarantee you'll play, but come along. And, and basically what I did is I went along there Sat on the bench for the first game, came on, did well, and I never kind of looked back. And I played, he, he converted me in a centre-half at the time, or a sweeper, so to speak. And um, in the meantime, when I was back at school, went for my trials, got into the, the national team, um, and it was uh, it was, it was was playing in the, I think it's a centenary shield, it's called, the one where basically fifth and sixth years play for the national team. Um, and ironically... We played in the four games, the whole, the whole nation, obviously, Republic Ireland, Northern Ireland, Wales and England, and um, scored two, played really well, did all right, and I only got picked up by Dunfermline. So um, fast forward, like all the years that I played with my mate Kenny at the little village in Tarvis, the two of us were rooming together full-time at Dunfermline Football Club, because um, I was playing at, um, I was playing every week in the juniors at uh, for Martin, and Dave Cormie had said to me, um, look, we got Aberdeen coming out to watch it. So Aberdeen came out and watched me again. It resulted in a, a trial for Aberdeen when I was 17, just turning 18, I think I was at the time. I was 17, 18. So I went into Aberdeen, walked into the away change room at the time. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I kind of, the only one I reckoned was Ricky Foster because I'd obviously played against Ricky when I was, when I was younger as well. And uh, so I was all right, how are you doing, guys? What's happening? And it was great because like everyone was a Ouija, you know, it was Xander, it was Ricky, Richard Buckley, it was David Hutton, it was. Um, just full of Glaswegian boys, you know. And, um, Scotty Moore was there, but he was just kind of breaking in the first team at the time. And I, I knew him as well from, from, from when I was younger too. But And I just thought, like, who are you? And I'm like, no, more importantly, who are you? I'm, I'm from here, you know. It was like mental. Um, so played a couple of games, played a game for the youth team, did all right. Went and trained with the first team. Um, Stevie Patterson was a manager at the time. So trained with the first team. But in the background, I've got a, I've got a gig lined up to go to Dunfermline. You know, I had a contract from Dunfermline. And I remember Neil Cooper, um, Neil Cooper, ex uh, locals manager, pulling me aside at the end of the, the two week trial, sort of thing, saying, Look, we don't think you're better than what we've got. Um, the two centre halves at the time was Xander Diamond and uh, Richard Buckley. Um, yeah, the big boy, Kay, I can't mind his name, it'll come to me. And him, and I said, Look, that's not a problem at all. Um, I said, Look, appreciate the opportunity. I went down to Dunfermline, and it was so. And I try to say this to, to, to people now. I remember joining Dunfermline and my squad number was 57, I think it was. So, like, 
when you went down there, there was like a squad of, there was a youth team squad, there was a reserve squad and a first team squad. So you kind of had to earn your stripes. You didn't you didn't just get there. You know, you, you didn't leave school. At, I was fortunate I finished school with, with hires and qualifications, but you didn't leave school and walk into a first team dressing room and think you're a football player. You had to earn it. I was down there for two weeks, I think it was. Um, back then it was Jimmy Nickel and Jimmy Caldwell were the managers. Um, I remember signing... I was a second year YT, so I kind of got, and because I was 18, I kind of got more money than the other guys, but it wasn't because of like, I was signing them better money, it was just that was the minimum they, they had to pay me or whatever, you know. I was down there for two weeks, and I remember I got a call up on the Monday night to play in the reserves, and, and, and full-time football really needs to get back to that, because that was your like, youth team football on the Friday, reserves played on the Monday, but the reserve fixtures was after the first team fixture. So the first team played on the Saturday, and the boys that didn't play on the Saturday, the first team players that didn't that were on the bench or needed a game, they played on the Monday. And back then you played in all the stadiums. The only two stadiums you didn't play in was obviously Celtic Park and Ibrox. But you'd go and play at the Barrafield or you'd go and play um it's they actually went down to I think it was East Fife we played for when we played Celtic and we played somewhere else and it was Airdrie and East Fife for the two grounds. But you're playing in the stadiums and stuff, you know, it was, it was great. And I mean, back then I remember playing with Dunfermline reserves, and there was maybe Maybe a thousand fans on a Monday night, just you know, okay, the bigger games may get more, but it was still a great buzz to go and play in the in the stadiums and that, even at, at the age of eighteen, you know. Um, and I broke into the reserve squad, as I say, it, um, after two weeks. I remember playing my first reserve game, um, and again, I'd gone down there as a centre midfielder, but I'd previously been a, a sweeper for for Martin, so to speak. I mean, I'd, I'd never been a defender; I was always a midfielder, you know, getting the ball, pass it about, make things happen, sort of thing. Believe it or not, I mean, some of the guys listening to this go. You know, but uh, that was me growing up, and then as I say, I, I got down to uh, went down to Dunfermline first first week down there. Of course, my mate that I knew, Kenny, I went down there, and he'd been telling me all about it. He'd been there a year previously, and um, I was actually taken aback. Bear in mind, I had a year of junior football, so I'd played football from seventeen that that season in man's football. You know, getting kicked in <laughs> proper men's football, to be honest. And I'd gone down to the youth team. My first game, I wasn't playing the first game, we played Celtic away and uh, at the Barrafield. And I remember saying to Kenny, and I got to know a few of the boys, I'd only been down there about a month or so, pre-season, I think six weeks. First game, pre-season, Barrafield. And everyone's talking about this young winger. He says, ah, he's getting 20 grand a year, he's getting 20 grand a year off of Adidas. You know, he takes a corner with his right foot, he takes a corner with his left foot. And I'm sitting there thinking, who, who is this guy, you know? He's a couple of years younger than us, but he's some player. I'm going, whatever, who is it? You know, and it, it was a guy called Aidan McGeady, you know, and um, I was obviously on the bench at the time because I'd, I'd just come into the team, nobody really knew me sort of thing, and um, they didn't really know where I played sort of thing. Um, we got beat 6-0. Fortunately, I wasn't playing because uh, McGeady scored four and the guy was just ridiculous. You know, just off. Mm. He did that double flip-flap thing that he does, that he's renowned for, within two minutes of the game, and I thought, wow. So I actually thought maybe... Juvenile football full time level is actually a good standard, but our our actual youth team at Dunfermline, I would be honest and say that it wasn't any better than what we had at boys club level up in up in Aberdeen, you know, um, mm. in, in the Aberdeenshire leagues. Um, but as I say, <coughs> went um, went down there within two weeks, got into the reserve squad, and it was quite ironic because we used to play against Aberdeen, you know, and I would get great satisfaction at the end of it when we used to be Aberdeen. Um, Playing against their reserves, that I wasn't good enough for their for, for their youth team sort of thing, and you know straight across and see Neil sort of thing. But it's um, yeah, it was 
my memories of the Inferno were fantastic. That first season in particular, um, I did, I did, I did quite well. I was actually meant to, I'd actually played so many games in the um, in the reserves. I can't remember what it was, maybe twenty five games out of whatever they had, um, a mainstay sort of thing. But when I look back on it now, my week for for Dunfermline, that I was a second year YT. My week consisted of on a Monday morning I'd be off because we played on a Monday night, so you're off on the day and play the night. Tuesday I would come in and do a cool down, so there'd be like ten of us that played on the Monday, so we'd do play head tennis or something. So I'd be off in the afternoon. Wednesday I was off because we had college. Every YT does college. We'd college on a Wednesday. Thursday I would come in and do a session in the morning with the youth teams and then I'd get dragged out of the youth team to play with train with the reserves. The reserves would play a bounce match against the first team. She had an 11 v 11 where we would set up in the reserves as the team that the first team are playing against. So if they're playing Rangers, for example, and you would be put in the position, the formation they think Rangers would play and whatnot. And then on a Friday, I would play in the youth team. So on the Friday in the morning, I'd play with the youth team. The youth team were normally off all weekend. I got the Saturday off, but because I was like, in and around the, the reserve squad, I'd stay down and watch the first team play on a Saturday. And then I'd be in on Sunday morning to train for the game on the Monday. So I didn't really do much training. I, didn't really, I played a lot of football, but I didn't really do much, you know. Um, and when I kind of look back on it, I think probably could have done a bit more, if I'm being brutally honest. I mean, the gym wasn't a massive thing back then, as mm. you can obviously tell by seeing me. And uh, um, yeah, no, it was, as I say, it was, it was, uh, it, that first year was, was fantastic, really good. Um, and then, <clears throat> about Jimmy Caldwell's renowned for this. Dunfermline were doing very well in the league. I mean, the two seasons Jimmy was there, um, I think Dunfermline finished, um, they finished fourth in both in both years and obviously got to the cup final and, and whatnot. Um, but Jimmy was renowned. If he secures his league position, he can't go up and down. He always throws the young boys in. He's done it quite a lot. And if you look, watch Jimmy's, look at Jimmy's, mm-hmm. he's always threw young boys in for the end of the season. So I remember at the time, <clears throat> Dunfermline were on a £1,000 a win. £1,000 a win was massive. I mean, £1,000 was more than a month's wage for these team boys, and any of the boys, would be honest, I'll tell you that. And it was 250 quid if you got on the pitch, and it was 150 quid if you sat on the bench. And I remember um, we were playing Dundee United at home on the Saturday, the first time I'm saying that. And I'd been playing on the Monday the week previously, and I got injured on the week on the Monday night uh, before that, uh, before we played Dundee United. One of them ones where my left back laid it back for me to clear up the line, He's laid it short, strikers come in, studs up. I've volleyed the ball and right through, kicked the ball with my studs. My foot's just blew up like a balloon, you know? Yeah. And uh, I remember that all week I'm icing it and everything. Jimmy Nicholl and Jimmy Caldwell came into the treatment team and said, big man, you're starting on Saturday. And I said, I can't, I can't kick a ball. My foot's black and blue, you know? It's twice the size of my other one. He says, no, you're starting. I said, I'm not like, I'm not nervous here. I said, like, I generally can't actually get my boot on, let alone try and play, you know? Um, and even Sandy Clark, the reserve manager, he came in at times to look at you actually are starting for the first team on Saturday. You need to get fit. And I said, look, there's nothing I can do to get bruising off my foot. You know, it's twice as size. This is what I've dreamed of since I was a kid, you know, trying to play first team full-time football, you know. It's not like I'm going to back away from it. Um, and ironically, what I ended up having, I, I didn't play in the game. I couldn't I couldn't get a boot on. Um, four of my guy, four of my youth team teammates, four of them got pitched in from the start. Um Fortunately for me, they drew one once. They didn't get a win bonus, you know, but there's still that that buzz of playing in front of an ink. There was about 8,500 there at Dunfermline. You know, it was, it was a decent crowd. The, the team was doing well. Um, and unfortunately for me, I never kind of I never kind of got into that into that kind of 
situation again. And again, going back to sliding door sort of thing, I was there that year. I remember at the uh, the end of that season, obviously all the youth team players get you know sitting the dressing. What's happening? My contract was up. All the boys' contracts, like YTs, were up sort of thing. And it was one of them ones. We had a squad of I think twenty three or twenty four youth team players. You know, so. Yeah. You look, you look at that now, you, you know, that, and then there was 20 boys in the reserve and it was just massive squads. And I remember going to see Jimmy Nicholl, it was like being back at school and speak to the headmaster, you know, uh, Jimmy Nicholl and Jimmy Colwood, and, and how do you think you've done, big man? I says, well, I think I've done all right, you know. Didn't want to sound like, yeah, I've done all right. Said, done all right, you've done fantastic, big man. I'm going to sign you in a new deal. I was living in Diggs at the time, and uh, <laughs> Jimmy signs me on this contract, and I says, right, and I didn't have agents or anything like that. And, you know, I, I, I come from a family where my mum and dad were separated, so my mum's my kind of my go-to with football, and my mum's my mum, you know, she drove me about all when I was a kid when I was younger. Didn't really know who asked for advice, you know, they just offered us a contract. There was, there was me and three other boys got kept on, Gary Greenhall, Pat Clark, and Ian Campbell, son of Dick, Dick Campbell's boy. Yeah. We all got offered a contract, but... It was just then that they'd introduced that season that I joined them firm was the year they introduced that seven sub rule. And three of the seven subs had to be under 21s. Mm. So what, what Jim had said to me, says, look, son, there's your basic wages. Now, I don't mind telling you, it was 250 quid a week, basic wage. He says, your digs are paid for. This is fine. He says, but you're going to be in the squad every Saturday. You're going to be one of my boys that will be in the 21s. You're one of my three 21s for next year. You know, and, and you'll be in around the first team. You'll train with the first team. And I, I think you'll kick on and get a chance. This is fantastic. So I'm thinking it's 250. I'm getting 150 for sitting on the bench anyway. If I get one, it's 250. If we win, it's 1250. I've got a happy days. Give it a bash. Two weeks later, he takes the Aberdeen job. <laughs> I was like, fuck's sake. So Jimmy goes back up to Aberdeen. <clears throat> I'm on 250 quid a week. Davy Hay comes in with Paul Hegarty and uh, Billy Kirkwood. We're in there for, uh, it was around the time Dunfermline just launched, uh, laid that new AstroTurf, remember? Mm. That first year I was there, that was, that was when it went down. And, and, and they came in and they just says, look, you four boys. So we were the only four that got kept on. And it was around about the time a lot of the cuts were coming into Scottish football. So the squad of 70-odd when I was there the first year got brought right down into, I think it was about 30 or 40, the half the, the, half the wage bills and stuff. And uh, so we had a team meeting. And bear in mind, I mean, I'm, I'm 19 years of age. I've had one season really at full-time football as a centre-half, and I'm trying to break into a first team where the back four was Greg Shields, the centre-halves was Andres Skerler and Scott Wilson, and the left-back was Scott Thompson, you know, club captain. There's absolutely no way I'm getting in that team, you know. Um, <clears throat> and what kind of happened was a uh, new management team came in and just didn't like the four of us, didn't even know who we were, so you four are not part of the plans. And by the way, we're we're scrapping all the the win bonuses and appearances fee for this year because you're all you're all uh, you're all um, you're the best paid team out with the old firm, and they probably were. I mean, I heard rumours of what some of the boys were on. You know, I got a top earner with Stevie Crawford, Craig Brewster. You know, we'd signed Darren and Derek Young with uh, Barry Nicholson, we had Gary Mason. You know, bloody right good players. You know. <laughs> And I mean, it was a good team. Derek Stillian, goals. Jamie Langfield is backup goalkeeper. You know, and the, the kind of list kind of went on. Um, so, like that was talk about sliding door moments again. And I remember being there that year. I never played. I played in the reserves with the other three guys, but I was on the bench every single week. I think I was on the bench for like forty times. No win bonuses, so no extra extra. Money. I got on. I got on the bench a lot of times. Watched the football from the sidelines, but never got on. Came to the January of that window. And if you remember, 
that was the year that uh, the Anelka brother, uh, Nicholas Anelka's brother, had taken over at Wraith Rovers. Oh, yeah, that was bizarre. So it was. That kind of all went tits up. And in that January window, um, Gordon DL had walked into Wraith Rovers and he wanted to sign all four of us on loan. And it was one of them ones where Davy Head pulled us on and says, Look, they want you. But it was actually going to cost me money to go on loan. So I went on loan. They weren't going to pay anything towards wages. They weren't going to pay anything towards digs. So I'd have had to fend off. It would have cost me money. Then. Mm. You, you know what was on already. So I didn't have enough money to go and do it. And then uh, Sandy Clark, he was the Berwick Rangers manager at the time. And he said, hey, Craig, I want to take you on loan. I said, right, no problem. So I went on loan for a month or six weeks. Was it six weeks, I think it was. There was one of them where David Hayter around and says to me, we were, um, we were quite short in bodies. Andy Todd was out injured. So was uh, Dinger, uh, Scott Wilson, sorry, uh, Scott Thompson. A few boys out injured. And I remember we were to play Hearts on the Saturday. And Sandy Clark was trying to get me. We were waiting time cancel on Saturday. And Sandy Clark was trying to get me alone. David Hay turns says, Craig, I can't let you get alone. He says, I need you on Saturday. I think you might be starting. So I'm getting all nervous, you know, on the, on the, on the Monday thinking, Jesus Christ, I might, get, I might be starting here. You know? she, she said, this could be it sort of thing, you know. He actually started a younger member of the squad, a guy called Greg Ross. Greg Ross actually had quite a decent career at Dunfermline at the time. Um, he threw him in at right back and he moved the right back in the centre half. Um, so I was sitting on the bench. Never got on. We got scalped 3-0, I think it was. And uh, that Monday, he turned around and said to me, he says, look, I'll let you go and loan, go out for a month, come back, be ready to push into the first team. So that's no problem. Went out to Derek, did really well, came back. David Hayter and says, right, Craig, you're free to go if you want to go. Berwick wants to sign a full-time deal. I thought, what? He says, had you not gone out on loan, you might have got your chance in the first team. I'm just sitting there going, what am I getting here? You know, just, just mental, like, coming out of, what is coming out of this guy's mouth? And and in fairness to, to, to Sandy Clark, he was trying to get me a sign at Berwick, and no disrespect to Berwick, but I, I said to Sandy, I said, Sandy, take this nice report, so if I'm going to go part-time, I'll go back up to Aberdeen, go back home, get a job, and and, and I'll play high league football or, or junior even, you know, because um, it wasn't there wasn't a financial incentive to stay down playing for Berwick, you know, and, 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 and it just, that, that's kind of what happened. I, I decided to stay at Dunfermline, didn't go out and loan again, and I just kind of seen the season out, um, re-evaluated my options, so to speak. Um, came back to my, my, my folks' house, my mum was staying in Tarvis, just trying to decide what I was going to do. Um, and that's when, obviously, I still kept in touch with a lot of people in the in the game. Um, you know, I was speaking to I knew I knew Dick Campbell quite well. I knew the the kit man at Dunfermline very well, and I was looking at different options. Um, and then I'd seen an advert in the paper for Clyde. Clyde were obviously having open trials, and um, I knew John Potter from Dunfermline days. He'd gone out to Clyde as well and made a few calls and stuff. And uh, yeah. Phoned up the football club and said, Look, believe we've got open trials. I was ex Dunfermline, you know, they had a look at me in bar. Yeah, come on down. And I remember uh, a lot to thank the guy at Dunfermline, Mo Hutton, the kit, the kit man, proper legends of the game. A lot of guys know him. Mo had uh, put me up in his digs um, so I could go in. So I was staying in Inverkeithen, just um, this side of Edinburgh. And uh, was travelling through Cumbernauld every day for, tra- for training for this trial. And uh, what a laugh that was like. That, that trials, when you look at it, there was like 70 or 80 people every day. It was mental. I walked in the first day, sat down. Didn't really know anybody. I'd recognised a few faces, but I didn't know anyone. So the guy stands next, sits next to me. 
And I kid you not, he had one arm, right? God's honest truth, one arm off at the shoulder. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm not making fun of that. And he pulled out his boots and his boots were still like tied together. And he's using one hand and his teeth to take his laces off. And you don't know whether to ask if you want to give him a hand or anything. The guy was brilliant, absolutely brilliant in football, but they didn't give him a deal purely because of that. I think it was because of that, like because mm-hmm. it becomes a talking man. I felt so sorry for the guy, but yeah. there was every Tom, Dick, and Harry of these trials. There was postmen, mm-hmm. there was waiters, there was like foreign guys came in, you know, by the boatload. There was loads of people at these trials, and I was like, I couldn't pick a football between them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I was on trial nowhere of a life for for six weeks solid. You know, which is unheard of. Like when you go on trial, you're there for two, three days. You can tell within two minutes if the guy's a footballer or not. You know, um, it was there for six weeks, and it got to the stage where I basically said to them, "What's happening here?" Um, and they decided to offer me a contract. Um, but I, I've I've since found out out of that trials, there was only two players, I think, or sorry, three players that were signed out of that trial as genuine trialists: myself, Michael McGowan, and a guy called Billy Brawley. The rest of the boys that were signed for that team were obviously, how would I put it, touted by your agents or by contacts. You know, they were signed beforehand. They turned up for the trials, but they were already getting a contract sort of thing. You know, yeah. I'm the mug though that's running about like a daft day trying to get a deal, and I'm from you know I'm the furthest away sort of thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, it was. Uh, I, I managed to get that's that's how I I I, I signed up in at uh, Clyde because in that when I left Dunfermline, I'd negotiated a scholarship to go to America. And I actually had my name on the on the locker. I was going out. A good friend of mine was out in the states, and and he was running a college team. And he said, uh, "Yeah, look, I've got a space for you on the on the roster, whatever they call it over there." And I said, "Yeah, cool. I'll give it a bash. Go and do something." Um, and then decided to say, "Go." I went to the Clyde trials, and sort of that was it from there. And then I kind of looked back, you know. Um, and yeah, it's arguably probably the best time of my 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 footballing career was obviously the days at Clyde. We had. Uh, a squad of about, I think, 20 was the tops we had, all aged from 18, 17, sorry, 17 to, in the eldest was 23. Mm. The wage bracket was the cheapest player was on £120 a week, and I think the highest earner was on £350 a week. I found out through, I mean, the manager at the time was Graham Roberts, who, come on to him in a minute, I mean, what a guy this guy is, but um, Rangers legend, you know, uh, England legend, um, and Joe Miller, obviously, Aberdeen legend, um, Celtic, you know, couldn't think of any, like, a bigger mismatch if ever you tried, you know, him and him and them two together. And it just worked. But, uh, yeah, I was I, I was signed at Clyde. Again, I don't mind don't mind the uh, shin. I mean, I, I, I never, ever said I played full-time football. I was just fortunate enough to run about, kicking a ball about and getting paid some sort of money for it. But yeah. um, I, I, I earned £150 a week full-time. So I trained Monday to Friday, I earned 150 quid. After training, I finished in the morning. I was away coaching kids. I was away refereeing five-a-side footballs down at the pits and everything. I was just trying to do anything to make ends meet, you know. Um, but we were on 150 quid a win as well. So, yeah, you doubled your, win, doubled your money if you won, you know. Um, and Joe Miller once told me, I think our whole playing budget for that season at Clyde, um, I think if I was talking about it, it was 200,000 was our playing budget for the whole squad, which sounds a lot of money, but it's not really. The, 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 the high league team's paying probably more than that now. Yeah. Um, Certainly, no. There's no championship team operating on two hundred grand a month, uh, two hundred grand a season. Put it that way. Um, and I mean, that first year we were there. I mean, 
when I look at that, what they did there, that'll never be that'll never be replicated ever again. What, what happened there? And open. I mean, so many clubs have tried these open trials. I've seen off the back of it now. Um, but when you look through the team that we had at Clyde, it was it was just a ridiculous team. I think we finished fourth that season, you know. Um, and back then, it was obviously the, the it was the first division, so to speak. Back then, I'm sure Geth spoke about it as well, probably. But um, they had the again Scottish football being a mess. It is they had different. Um, the different governing bodies. They had the Scottish Premier League, the Scotland Football League, then you had the Highland League, and, all, and it was never all one anyway. Um, so we were playing obviously in the Scottish First, Divi- First Division back then, and, and when you look back at some of the players playing then, even the crowds that we got, you know, Clyde crowds we were getting, I think it was three and a half thousand back then. We'd go to play against St Johnston. St Johnston had players like Alan Main, Gordon Stanich, Jason Scotland, um, Colin Samuel, mm. you know, um, Martin Hardy, Stephen uh, Jenkins, um, Stephen Jen- Alan Jenkins, and uh, Simon Simon uh, Simon Menson, good players, really good players, you know. Um, Gretna were there kicking about at the time as well, you know, spending fortunes, you know. It was just Ross County. Remember, we played Ross County in our first game. We got absolutely scalped. We'd be three 0 It was a real eye because that was like that was my proper first real experience of full time football. Um, and, and, and senior football, I mean, barring a, a five-minute cameo against Celtic at Parkhead for Dunfermline, um, I obviously hadn't really played senior football as such. I'd been, on, I'd been out on loan to, um, I'd been at Stirling Albion and I'd been at, um, at Berwick, so to speak. But other than that, I'd, I'd never really had an experience. But we, we played at, uh, we played Ross County away our first game of the season. And you look at the Ross County team. Alex Burke, Stephen Craig, John Rankin, Don Cowie, yeah. uh, Davey Winters, uh, Andy Dowie, they had the big boy uh, Martin Cannon, you know, bloody good team. <laughs> you know, David Cowan, the right good side. Uh, Alex Keddy, um, should have lost them. I'm not going to lose at the time, but yeah, just, just a right good team of players, and and that was that was quite standard across the league. Um, but yeah, no, it was as I say, my, my days at Clyde, and, and, and I'm still very good friends with, with, with seven or eight of them just now. We, we, we've we kind of stayed in contact all through life, been at weddings and all sorts of stuff together. But um, it was, uh, yeah, what, what, one hell of a journey at Clyde. And, and in credit to credit to Graham Roberts and uh, Joe Miller, the, the squad they put together. If you look at them, every one of them moved on to 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 bigger things in their in their careers. Um, it was just, yeah, incredible. We uh, <clears throat> three big games stand out from it. Obviously, Clyde with um, with a Man United friendly, and we obviously played the old firm, one at home, and obviously one at uh, one at Ibrox. And that kind of memories. I mean, I was on peanuts, you know, and and I, I would never change that. It was just some some great times with some great people, and and as I say, it was just right good fun. Some silly things used to happen and yeah, just loved it, you know. It was just great. So Yeah, so so what do you recall about the, the big arms cup win over over Celtic? I'm not really one for getting starstruck. Mm. Um I remember walking at them family the first time and I kinda of, kinda of came face to face with Stevie Crawford and thought right place for Scotland right good Stevie Crawford. It didn't really bother me Craig Brewster I knew growing up something sort of like my new oven growing up for him. Mm. It's really starstruck. But the first time I probably really got starstruck was, we, as I say, we, we, we arranged that. Joe Miller reached out to, to Alex Ferguson from his Aberdeen time and said, look, we're playing against um, Man United in the family to raise money for the club and all that sort of stuff. So a sellout to Broadwood. I think it was 8,000 or 10,000, whatever Broadwood holds. Sellout. Everyone's going to be there. Um, didn't know what to think sort of thing. And I remember turning up to the game 
And I didn't see Man U getting off the bus. I didn't see anyone kicking about. My only, I didn't even see Fergie. I can't remember seeing Fergie. And uh, but the team they put out on on the on the on the on the park was one of them that you kind of got. Well, okay, yeah, I'm a little bit starstruck now. You know, um, they all they all played. Um, we scared five one, but uh, the experience of that alone was just incredible. You know, the fans and everything. Um, and as I say, the three that 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 game alone was was yeah an absolute eye opener. Um, of what the standard of English football is in comparison to Scotland, um, the size, physique, you know, the the pace of them. Um, we're one 0 down at half time. We thought we're doing well. The manager turns says, "Well done, you're doing really well, but good luck for the second half." Unbeknown to us, I didn't know they were changing the team. Um, the second half team was just a disgrace. It's an absolute joke. Like honestly, I've I've never seen a football match where I've been on the 18-yard line for the whole 45 minutes playing centre-half. Just couldn't get the ball, couldn't keep the ball, couldn't they? They just wave after attack. It was just, you know, there was a booze for Rio Ferdinand. I remember that because Rio Ferdinand wasn't accepting 100 grand a week. He wanted 120 grand a week, you know? And it was just like, Wayne Rooney had just signed that previous window. So, I mean, he was 18 at the time. Van Nistelrooy, Paul Scholes, late Liam Miller, he played. Ryan Giggs playing on the wing, you know, grew up watching Ryan Giggs in the Champions League and now he's doing that run at you, you know, the wee zigzag number, you think, oh no, here we go. Um, Ronaldo was there at the time, apparently, I didn't see him, the boys said he was there, I, I didn't see anyone, but he didn't play. Um, and as I say, likes of schools and that was just a disgrace. You know, Gerard Piquet, he was playing, uh, Ferdinand, they had Sylvester, Van der Sar, just died, a, a joke, you know. Um, but, that was a good day, but the the biggest one of the biggest buzzes I had in my Clyde days was obviously we, we, we drew um, Rangers in the in the cup um, away on a Tuesday night. The CIS Cup it was at the time at Ibrox, and there was thirty eight and a half thousand there, and uh, it was just magnificent. The atmosphere was great. The, the build up to the game, the coaching, the fans. You know, I'm getting text messages from mates up here going, "Oh, this is what you've always wanted to do." Blah blah blah. And uh, a couple of good players playing, you know, Olivia Bernard was playing left back. I'd grown up playing champ man. You'd sign Olivia Bernard if you're, you know, you, you knew of him. Um, Bob Malcolm playing, Ian Murray, the big boy, Kiriakos was it, the boy centre-half that went down to, down to Liverpool, Man Mountain, six foot eight. They had Peter Lovingrands playing, Fran Jeffers playing. Um, yeah, a, a good side. I'll, I'll, I can remember that game like it was yesterday as well. We were doing incredibly well. We went 1-0 down after um, 10 minutes. And they thought, oh no, Thomas Buffo was playing as well. Buffo's, I think it was Buffo scored. Buffo scored after, I think, four minutes, whatever. And you're thinking, oh no, this could be a hiding. We rallied around and uh, little Bob Harris playing left centre half at the time. He doesn't, didn't want to start in the team, but I can't remember who he was playing, actually. But we Bob, Chris Higgins, I think it was suspended or something, I'm not sure. Ball went in a wee run in the box, and the wee boy Alan Lowen that's making his debut for Rangers are right back. He took him down. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll never forget that. The place just went silent. Thirty-eight thousand fans, completely silent. And the boy Lowen is down on the on the pitch getting treatment. Uh, sorry, Bob's down on the our player. Bob's getting treatment because he's taking a fair fair whack. My mate Stephen O'Donnell, he's put the ball on the spot, and you could just hear a pin drop. Nobody's speaking, you know. And and what I will remember from that game is like. The, the noise of that fans, you couldn't hear your teammate like 15 yards away. You were screaming at each other because you couldn't hear them for the noise. Mm. But this particular instance, I'm standing on the halfway line next to my two centre-halves at a time. And I remember, I remember um, 
Stephen putting the ball on the spot. And all you could hear was a little drummer away back at the top of the eyebrows giving it the... Right? And completely silent. So I remember turning and saying to the boys next, I says, how's this ball here? You know, because we Bob's been down now for a good five minutes. The ball's been on the spot for five minutes and there's that orchestra up the top of the, the stand, you know. And uh, fortunately, Stephen put it away. So that was like, it was, um, that was 1-1. And uh, big eruptions from our sort of thing. Um, we then get a second goal. Went 2-1 up. And again, place is silent. And I remember I was the opposite end from the away end at, uh, where our supporters were. I think it's the fastest I've ever run the length of the pitch. We're all in front of the fans, you know, going mental, 2-1 up. And we held out for, for quite a considerable bit of time. They made a change in the 76th minute, I think. They took Barry Ferguson on. And everyone knows what a player Barry Ferguson was. I'd never graced the pitch with him. Didn't know what he was all about. His first pass, he got it in front of the dugout and he zung this thing at head height, lasered it across the pitch, you know, 60 yards direct to and it was Lobbenkran's toe. And that was the, we were managing with the, we played a 3 5 2. We were managing the diagonals very well, but as soon as he came on, it was just like, here we go. And then the 78th minute, he hit this long ball, hopeful, over the top of the back three. Jarvie, Paul Jarvie and the goals came out. And it's one of them ones where it was going to land on the edge of the box. Jarvie could have put his foot through it because it was quite low, but he's trying to catch it and fall back into his box. And as he's caught it, he's fumbled it. Buffalo's then had an open goal and rolled it in, I think, 2-2. And at that point, I remember the full-time whistle going, and I thought, oh, well, replay. So I started walking down the tunnel. I went to extra time. We got beat 5-2. But it was at the time McLeish was obviously, um, he was under a bit of pressure then. If we'd held out there, you know, he, he, he could have made a different story. Because um, that was all they really had. We, we, we did really well. And legs, uh, I've never had cramp like that in my life, obviously. Um, and that obviously brought us, I mean, that was that was before the, the Celtic game. In the same season, obviously, we, we, we played the Celtic game. It was, uh, what I'll say, Graham Roberts was an incredible motivator. We played in that team, that, that, that game on Celtic, we actually believed we could have won the game. It was really mm. bizarre. My, our skipper at the time was a guy called Paul McHale. He was actually injured with a double hernia at the time. Stephen O'Donnell was taking the team out. Absolutely brilliant from him. So we're all psyched up, ready to go for this game. You know, we had a game plan. We knew they would be playing. We've seen their team lines. They had uh, Neil Lennon and Roy Keane, obviously, in the middle of the pitch. They played a 4-4-2. We had pace up front. We had pace in the wings. We played a 3-5-2. In the middle of the park, we've got three guys. Our three guys in the middle of the park was Stephen O'Donnell, who was incredible that season. Uh, Craig Bryson, who was incredible that season. And we had Stevie Master, and they could ping a ball about all over the pitch. So we knew we had the legs on in the middle of the park. But the kind of memories I have from the day was we walked into the tunnel. Now, at Broadwood, when you go through the double doors, to the right was where the home team was, to the left is where the away team was. But we always, for some reason, lined up on the right-hand side as he came out. And I remember we were first in the tunnel, you know, come on, lads, let's go sort of thing. And I was, I think I was about third in the queue. There was Stephen O'Donnell, the goalkeeper, then me. The little lassie, I can't remember who was, some, one of the Sky Sports presenters, you know, she's standing there behind the, in front of the camera, you know. And she turned and said to Stephen O'Donnell, she says, can you guys move to the other side? Because we can't see Celtic coming through. And I'll never forget, because I would have been like, ah, oh, yeah, no problem sort of thing, you know. Not thinking, that would be me, you know. Stephen O'Donnell just turned around and says, straight off the bat of the tongue, says, I went, fuck yourself, love. We're here to play football. It's not about fucking them. It's about us. And that got the whole team just like, ah, you know what? Fuck off sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I've got, I, I mean, 
my memories from football, obviously, I've got a, I've got I've got two pictures that I kind of kept. I've never kept the football pictures, and one's obviously I'm, I'm on a 50-50 with Wayne Rooney, and the other one is walking out that day. Ironically, I walk out with Roy Keane, so there's me and him walking out on the pitch together. So, I mean, Keane was a, an absolute hero of mine, you know, just incredible. Um, but the game itself, the only little things I remember, it was really cold. It was a January, it was January, early January. In fact, it was 16, 16, 16 years ago. One of the boys texted me saying it was 16 years ago or something. I thought, Jesus, where's the time going? Um, they had Sean Maloney up front, and the only thing as a centre half will all tell you is we all hate pace. Sean Maloney got the ball, I think, in the 15 minutes, and he went in a run past us all. And I thought, oh no, this could be a long afternoon. In fairness, we uh, we started really well. Um, we had uh, when you look back now, obviously we had, we had two two very good goals chopped off. One was supposedly offside, one was a foul on the boy Dewey, which which it wasn't, you know. Um, Stephen O'Donnell missed a penalty. He, I think had he scored, he'd been the only guy to have scored penalties against both old firms in one season. Fortunately, the save that Boric made that day was incredible. So we scored direct off the corner. That we, we, we I mean that made a big difference because I think that made it two 0 But yeah, we, we were we're fairly confident. I I didn't really think about the magnitude of what we'd achieved. The full-time whistle went. I wasn't really that bothered. I was like, all right, fair enough. We've won the game. I mean, I'm never really one of these guys that get like overly celebrate things, you know. Looking up and the fans were all going mental and the boys started, I mean, I started walking in the tunnel. Then I realised all the boys are bouncing about and I thought, well, I better go and bounce about them. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was quite quite a weird, weird moment. And as I say, it's, it's the kind of occasions that you kind of, you look back in your career and, you know, that was an incredible achievement. That night I came home I, I, I came up the road. My brother was at the game. I ended up coming back up to Aberdeen. I ended up going out to the Eighth View in Methwick. Walked in because I actually played at six, at fifteen. I worked, I worked at the pub there, and I played summer league football with them at fifteen. So I kind of I've, I've, I've graced the shirts in the in the I don't even know what league it is. Some some weird and wonderful summer league football. It was great fun. I walked in in the in the publican Jay Allen, and he just turned, around, "What the fuck are you doing here?" You know. And it was the case of shut the door, lock in, and, and what, what a night I had, sort of thing, you know. Um, so yeah, that like my memories of that day. When I look back on it now, I get goosebumps watching. It. I've watched the game back since, and and as I say, I remember two weeks after that, I can't remember who we were playing at home. Kenny Kenny Clark was a referee against Celtic. He was a referee of that that game again. Two weeks after the referee that game, and he actually had the decency to come into the dressing room before the game and say, "Look, guys, hold my hands up." I made two mistakes that day. It could have cost you guys, fortunately, didn't it? You know, um, great times. You know, that, that that Clyde dressing room and that Clyde team was just some right characters in there. And I, I'm still amazed that I've actually managed to make it through, to be honest. I'm no money. And obviously some of the, the bomb scares of the boys that we had in our, in our dressing room, you know, it was just mental. And, and Graham Roberts, as I say, that's just an incredible character. An absolute incredible character. So, But yeah, enjoyable, so to speak, you know. Yeah, so have you got any like standout stories about um, Graham Roberts? <laughs> when you grow up as a kid, and I was relatively young and naive at the time playing for Clyde, I was, I was obviously 18 at the time, or 19, was I can't remember. Very young in my career anyway. Graham Roberts, you know, everyone was scared of Graham Roberts, you know, and he did this thing like after every game, if we got beaten, you can't remember, we were just young amateur, like young in the game, you know, making our way in the professional game. And every game we got beat, you just get naked as he was ranting at you, which was really awkward because you couldn't look at him. You know, he's like this old man getting naked in front of you, like, come on, give us a break here. But I remember playing, before the Celtic game, actually, we were playing on Boxing Day at Breakin. Now, I hate Breakin with a passion. Not, nothing against the club. Just hate the pitch. <laughs> hate everything about it. I've got nightmares about Breakin. We're playing Breakin on Boxing Day, and I remember if we beat Breakin that day, we went top of the league. 
So I'm from Aberdeen. I'd come back up the road for Christmas. I got Christmas Day off. Came up, had my dinner. My whole family, my granny, my granddad, my mum, they're all at the game. You know, they're in the stand playing breaking. I got hooked after 13 minutes. Three minutes into the game, the manager screams on at me. And he used to call me his big tart. He says, here you big tart. You've got three minutes so you're coming off. I've not touched the ball. God's honest truth. I've not touched the ball. We're nil-nil. I've done nothing wrong. I'm thinking, see, I'm going to fucking laugh. Three minutes. Three minutes passes. Six minutes on the clock. He shouts at me, how are you? I says, what? He says, get Neely. Neely played centre-half. I played right centre-half. Neil McGregor played centre-half, sweeper. And uh, But for that particular reason, I was playing left centre-half because the other guy was injured. So I was left centre-half, Neil was centre-half. He says, get Neely for me. So I shout, Neely Gaffer, wants you? You know, the game's going on here. Hi, what is it, Gaffer? He says, tell that big tart next to you get his fucking finger out he's coming off. So he starts shouting at me and I'm laughing. I'm going, I don't even know what he's got, but what his point is here. 12 minutes into the game, Davy Murray playing right back for uh, Breakin. Davy Murray, I played with Breakin, uh, sorry, I played at Berwick on loan, as I said, with Davy Murray. So I knew Davy quite well. Standard right back, Puma Kings, you know, Socks, socks and shorts tucked in, all that sort of jazz. Model pro. He was in his early 30s at the time. He's drove this ball to their striker. Now, their striker made a career in the game from heading the football, and his head is probably bigger than my body. Jerry Britton was playing up front for breaking that day. Jerry Britton's a good foot taller than me. Davy Murray zings this flat ball at Jerry Britton. I'm at behind and try to head the ball. You know, I'm, I'm nowhere near it. Jerry flicks it on. Stevie Hampshire runs in behind our back three, off the flick on, lobs a goalie. We're 1-0 down after 12 minutes. The wooden boards come out. Dink, dink, dink. My squad number, number five, off you come. All my teammates are going, what's up, you pal? I'd played every, we had 44 games that season. 45 games. I played 44 full games in 13 minutes that season for Clyde. I got whipped after 13 minutes. Now, it's the question I want to ask you. What do you do if you get pulled off after 13 minutes? Where do you go? So being the guy I am, I've just gone and sat on the bench. And I remember sitting on the bench thinking, this half has gone on for a hell of a long time. I've been on this bench for a long period of time. At half time, the whistle eventually blew. It was felt like an eternity after I'd been sitting there. What do you do then? Because majority of guys that are subs at half-time will go on the pitch, have a kick about, a wee warm-up, a game of two-touch, whatever. What am I meant to do? I've been hooked. I'm not going to go back on. So I've kind of trudged into the into the dressing room. And I've just had I've just got I had a football boot thrown at me. I've been uh, obliterated. Like, honestly, I, I could have probably, like, I could have honestly cried the way he spoke to me and just threw me about and just, oh, bullying in the workplace just doesn't use, you know? And I just got absolutely annihilated from him, just uh, honestly abused. And that, that was Graham Roberts, to be fair. He was just an absolute maniac. Two weeks into the job at, uh, at Broadwood, the little director came down, you know, one of these little smug, excuse my French, one of them guys, little smug director guys, doesn't know about football, but shirt and tie kind of guy. And I remember walking out the dressing room and the manager's office is right next to the dressing room. And I just seen this human come flying out of his office into the wall. Robo had pulled him by the back of the, the back of the shirt, the back of the trousers, and literally hoifed him out the actual office. We guy, you know, he's only about five feet two, smashed off the wall, sort of thing. Yeah, it was just like we used to play Rangers v Celtic on a Friday. 
Now, if you're from the central belt, Rangers v Celtic is quite a big thing. Didn't mean anything to me. I don't support either of the old firm. I don't really support Aberdeen. I just want to see Aberdeen do well, but I just watch football. But we used to play 13 aside, and it would be Joe's team against Robbo's team, because Joe's obviously Celtic, Robbo's Rangers. I remember we also had Doogie Bell down as well. Doogie Bell, ex Aberdeen legend. You know, Doogie Bell would train as well. He was a big Rangers man, so he would he would get involved in training. But Robbo would be smashing you on a Friday before the game. I'd absolutely wiping guys out. You know, it was just like. But as I say, in fairness to him, he put a squad together there that was just you know just an incredible team. We we just all clicked. Um, the right characters, the right the right blend of hard workers and, and, and technicians, so to speak. With a guy called Alex Williams that played up front, and uh, Alex Williams is born and bred in Ibrox. Um, bit of a jack the lad. Was destined for big things at 17. He was playing for Morton. I think Arsenal and all the Premier League teams were looking at him. I didn't know who he was, to be honest. Met him when he came in the door at Clyde. Joe Miller, and I quote you on this, Joe Miller turned around and said to us, Alex Williams is a bigger ladies' man than McAvenny. So that lets you tell you how what this guy was like. He was unbelievable of a guy. Just like a proper... He was one of these guys, if you wanted something, he'd get you it. And he was a proper charmer. Not, not the best looking, no oil painting, but it was just, honestly, had the gift of the gab, had the chat. And I'll never forget that, as I say, I was on that money I told you about. I was yeah. still living in Fife, yeah. travelling to Cumbernauld every day. It practically cost me a week's wages to get to Cumbernauld every morning, you know. And got to a stage where we were all young boys, and I'd said to um, I'd said to the lads, look, lads, does anyone want to get a flat in, um, closer to Broadwood? Because I can't afford to keep travelling backwards and forwards, you know. The one guy in a dressing room you do not want to put his hand up, puts his hand up, Alex Williams, I'll get you a, I'll get a flat with a big man, I'm thinking. Oh, here we go. I'm living in Fife at the time. I'm a country boy, born and bred. Two weeks later, Alex Williams turns and says to me, Craig, I've got, you a, I've got a flat for us, three bed. Um, my mate owns it. Um, it's on the third floor. There only is three floors, so it's a penthouse. I'm thinking, all right, okay, cool. Um, what's the cost? It's 350 quid a month to live there. And I thought, oh, I'll do. Right, okay, where, where is it? He says it's uh, at the Glasgow Fort. Now, for listeners that don't know where Glasgow Fort is, it's junction 9 slash 10 off the motorway of the M8 coming out of Glasgow. It's otherwise known as Easter House. For those that don't know where Easter House is, I'd heard about Easter House because some of the Glasgow boys that played at the family told me about Easter House. Easter House is an absolute, like, honestly, the pigeons fly upside down as nothing were shiting on. Honestly, it was just an absolute, it was a riot. Um, fortunately enough, we lived in this wee street. It wasn't too bad. Out the back was just an open field sort of thing. But in the day, every day coming home from training was a school day. There'd either be a guy chasing another guy down the, down, down the street with a hammer it was one of the ones where you just kept yourself to the self sort of thing but Alex Williams I was a proper good pro at the time you know didn't drink during the week you know football was my life all that sort of chat first day in the new gaff you know first day you know 21 or 20 whatever it was my own place you know no family no that it's my place sort of thing I'm lying in bed early because we train the next morning and uh, the door goes about 2 o'clock in the morning rattle on the front door no, Alex is in his bed. I'm in my bed. Door rattles again. I'm thinking, surely he's getting there because I don't know anyone in Glasgow, so it's clear enough for me. So I remember I'm half asleep, you know, boxers on, up to the front door, got a peephole, and I've looked through the peephole, and I'm thinking I'm still half asleep. There's this, like, female figure through the peephole. So I opened the door, and I says, look, really sorry, they can I help you? Now, this woman must have been early 40s, you know, good 20 years older than us, beautiful-looking woman for her age. Don't get me wrong. She's wearing this, like, leather coat, knee-high boots. So I'm saying, I'm really sorry, but I don't think you're here for me. And she went, no, is Alex in her? I think he's sleeping. She went, no, he's not. 
So she's kind of like pushed me to the side, walked down the hallway, and she's gone into the bedroom. I've shut the door like a proper mug. I've walked into my bedroom. Our bedrooms are like back to back. So let's just say I've just I've just heard them like erecting like uh, picture frames on the wall all night. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's what they're doing. I mean, that's what I, as I say. Next morning, I'm I'm up bright and early, you know, through in the kitchen, have my breakfast, good pro and all that jazz. Had a shower, ready to go, sort of thing. We're leaving to go training in five minutes. I'm driving. Alex is coming to me. He bounces through half naked. Um, two minutes before you leave, half asleep, hair all over the place, and I just says, "Look, you gonna explain to me who she was?" He says, "Oh, it's my my mum's neighbour. Um, she's married with three kids, but I've known her since I was about seventeen or." Or 16, 17. I was like, oh, that's very nice. I says, it won't be a regular thing. It was just a one-off. I'm just thinking, what have I moved in with? And I'll be honest with you, that was the story of like the two and a half years I was with Alex. It was just, the boy was just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Mm. He was one of these boys. He came home, he was struggling for money. He, he actually got in with the wrong crowd and started selling um, selling all sorts of bits and pieces and illegal equipment and illegal um, substances as well. And he actually did a bit of time for it. But mm. after he left Clyde, he just up and left one day. He says, I'm away to go to Malaysia. And I says, oh, very good. Well, right, right enough, the next day he literally left to Malaysia. And he was selling jet skis on the beach and all that sort of stuff. Came back. He then signed for, I think he signed for Ross County. And he was playing for Ross County for um, for a couple of seasons. Again, moved back down the road. I'm not sure if he played with Morton after that. Um, and eventually fizzled out his career. And as I say, he caught him with the wrong crowd. I know he did a bit of time. Um, he was electronically tagged for a bit as well. I don't know where he is now, and I mean, I'd love to bump in him because I mean, what a character the boy was. He was just the, the nicest boy you could ever mm. meet, you know, butter wouldn't melt sort of thing, but just an absolute character. As a reward for beating Celtic, we go out to Canada, and, and, and Robbo had arranged something with the Rangers worldwide, global, like, because when you're part of Rangers Celtic, I didn't realize how big they really are, but they've got conventions in every corner of the world. So Robbo had arranged this big convention for him to go and attend that. He was obviously getting paid for it under own doors. We didn't. I remember at the end of the season, we were going to Canada and Robo said, and I hadn't, I'd played to say 44 games in 13 minutes out of 45. I was the only one in the deal that only one had the contract extended for the following season. I'd only signed a one year deal. Robo's like, you need to pay a deposit for going to Canada because we had to pay 600 quid. That was it. 600 quid, that's your flights, accommodation, everything sorted out. Now I'm, I'm sitting there going, 600 quid a month's wages. I can't afford to go home. I don't know if I've got a job next month, you know. And Robo pulled me aside and said, look, you don't pay your deposit. If you don't pay and come, you'll get fined two weeks' wages. And I'm sitting there going, well, if I get fined two weeks' wages, I'm still saving 300 quid. You know, that's, that's, that's the way I looked at it. You know, you got to find me. I end up, between family and friends, got, got some money together to go on this trip, you know, away to Canada. Apparently, everything was going to get paid for. Well, that's a little more nonsense. We, were getting, we got a plate of chicken wings at night and a couple of kegs of beer. Um, and I didn't have any money to do anything else. And the lads went off to uh, Niagara Falls and stuff. I, I couldn't afford to go, so I stayed in the hotel. Um but my roommate for that 10 days was Alec Williams. We were flatmates, so we'd be roommates, you know. Alex te- checked in the hotel on night one. And in that in that 10 day period, we were playing against the some Canadian all-star team and some league select team, a couple of friendlies or organized sort of thing. We weren't taking it very seriously. It was a, a bit of a piss up for the lads and a bit of a kind of um a holiday sort of thing, but the Canadian guys took this very seriously. They had a conference and everything. So our gaffer got pulled, Robert got pulled to a conference, you know, um, in front of all these reporters, 20, 30 reporters, you know, what about this game? And so we were like, but 
what ended up happening, as I say, for, for legal reasons, can't really say it. Robo and Joe Roberts fell out that, that, that whole holiday. Alex Williams, kid you not, he's, uh, he checks in the hotel for the first night with me, and I don't see him the next day. Don't know where he is. The day three, we're playing this friendly. So we've lined up on the pitch doing the national anthems, the Scotland flags, the Scotland anthems getting played out for us. And, and I'm standing next to him with the national anthems going on, and he says, Craigie, you know, anthems getting played. I says, what is it, Alex? Standing, no hands behind the chest, all that jazz. says, what is it, Alex? says, can you see the bird over there? Because that's what he's like. You see the bird? Oh, what bird are looking at? She's just looked down. She was halfway on. She's just looked to the left. She's like, see the bird? Right? The ginger thing? No, no, no. The brunette next to the ginger. Right, okay. What about her? He says, see the guy next to the brunette? She's like, the older guy? She's like, what about him? She's like, nice guy. She's okay, what about him? It's just, can you see the wee girl next to the big guy next to the wee girl? I said, where are we going this on? He says, can you see that group of people standing together, the seven of them? I says, aye. He says, see the redhead I said at the first bit? I says, what about her? That's the bird I've been seeing for the past couple of nights. I says, right, so you've been seeing a redhead. I says, who's the rest of them? She says, that's mum, dad and three sisters. And that's the retriever next to the dog. He's gone across to Canada, basically pitched in with this girl he's met online, moved in with the family. He was there for a week. I kid you not. Were there for 10 days. He didn't even stay with me. He was there for a week in a family home. That's just the kind of guy he was. He was just like, he says, I've been, I've been seeing her for the past couple of nights. I thought, mate, you're unbelievable. Like, you, only you could get away with going to the other side of the world and meeting with a woman and a family. You know, like, you just, fortunately, the social media was just starting off when we played because, yeah, I, it was, half of us would have been locked up. It would have generally would have been, it was just, it was just calm, especially Alec. He would have been one of the, one of Joe Miller's good friends, a guy called Simon Weir. Simon Weir is a Scottish actor. He's been in the football factory, he's been in the Acid House. Honestly, one of the best guys I've ever met in my life. And as I say, absolute topper of boy. And we were, we were doing training one day. And ironically, when I look back on it, we used to go out on a Monday night, a Tuesday night, a Wednesday night, a Thursday night, train on a Friday. And put, all the teams to go out. You know, back then in Glasgow, it was 69p of vodka, you know, during the week. You know, if the boys would go out at 10, that's all we could afford. We'd just get smashed, you know, um, drink beforehand. And Joe would come out with us. Joe Miller, the system would be out with us. We'd be out, honestly... We probably sobered up about Thursday, we Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but we trained every day. We just hung over. So yeah, no, Clyde days. I look back on it. Some of my fondest memories. Um, we obviously Graham Roberts and Joe Miller. They they kind of fell out after the first year at the end of that season with obviously the, the Canada thing. Joe uh, Graham Roberts somehow managed to take the club to a tribunal and walk away with money, which I'll never know how. Um, mm. Joe Miller took on the, the role. Joe actually went to speak to, um, is it Pierce Flynn? He was at, uh, is it Pierce Flynn? Uh, he was the chairman at uh, Livingston at the time. Um, like I said, Joe Hamill and that were all playing at Livingston. Yeah. And uh, Joe was offered the job at Livy. Uh, playing budget was 900000 for the season. And Joe couldn't believe it. He says, I've just left a Clyde team that was £200,000. You know, I could have, signed, could have signed that squad again sort of thing. But he ended up staying with Clyde. And slowly but surely, the, 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 the dressing room changed over, over over that next couple of... I mean, I was there for three and a half, three, three four seasons. Mm. Um, the dressing room changed, then the dynamics changed, some of the better players moved on. Joe, Joe lasted that one season, left after that. Colin Henry came in, that didn't go well because obviously his wife's situation. Yeah, I got on really well with Colin, but as I say, the wife thing's incredibly sad. Um and as I said, I kind of left there in the end and, and 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 I had this situation with Colin. Colin was trying to get me a new contract at the time, as I say, 
Um, coming back from Clyde, uh, sorry, the Canada trip, I managed to negotiate a contract that says to Graham Roberts because he was in hot water, put it that way. Yeah. So Graham tried me into writing a statement that he didn't do such, something in Canada. And in exchange for that, I'd get a two-year contract on a slightly improved terms. Um, I said yes to it. I never said, I never wrote the statement, sorted my contract out, kind of went away for the summer sort of thing. But then at that time, <clears throat> two years had kind of come at the end of two years and Colin Henry was trying to get me to sign a new contract. He couldn't, he couldn't get something. He said to me, says, Craig, whatever you do, do not sign a pre-contract agreement. And I'm sitting there going, Doogie Bell's sitting there, and I knew Doogie very well. Doogie's going, Craig, you've got to do his best for you, sort of thing. Now, at the time, um, Dundee Football Club had come in for me. Alex Ray was the manager at the time. Yeah. Got to the stage where I said a guy, kind of, as an agent, so to speak, you know, um, trying to help me, and, and he'd been speaking to Alex Ray, and, and um, also Queen of the South um, were in for me at the time Queen of the South were going very well Gordon Chisholm and Billy Dodds <coughs> I met Gordon Chisholm on a Sunday and I remember my, uh, my agent sort of this out two year contract I was going to Queen of the South Stephen Dobie and all that kind of mob down there yeah. uh, two year deal but Chizzy didn't have his contract with him he says come down tomorrow at, uh, on the Monday and we'll, we'll, we'll arrange it so I came out of training on the Monday morning, my agent had phoned me. He says, phoned me straight away after training. I was getting picked up by the agent to go down to Dumfries to sign this two-year deal. So he phones me and says, Craig, you're not going to the Queen of South, you're going to go to Dundee. I said, I'm going to Dundee. Where's that come from? He says, oh, I agree, won't you? I says, when you meet them today, you're signing the deal. I said, that ain't my problem. So I was going on a better, far better contract and, yeah. and uh, signed my pre-contract. In the background, Colin's still trying to sign this, get me to sign this deal. Had to let down Gordon Chisholm, which wasn't a nice conversation because, in fairness, we'd actually shook hands and agreed in a deal, but didn't sign it. So, it's not actually signed until it's signed. But um, I obviously went to Dundee because at the time Dundee were investing quite heavily trying to get back into the SPL. They were the first yeah. division at the time. That year, we were obviously competing with Hamilton Ackes, Hamilton Ackes, full of like James McCarthy, James McArthur, mm. Richard Offion, that kind of team. Um, Signed a pre-contract with Dundee Football Club. Billy Reid Billy Reed phoned me a week after and said, look, Craig, I want to take you to Hamilton. I said, look, I've signed for Dundee in a pre-contract. Yeah, but you can get out of pre-contracts if you want out of them. He says, I want to take you to Hamilton. I said, well... And at the time, it was Dundee and Hamilton going for the league sort of thing, you know? Hmm. Um, Dunfermline were back in the in the first division at that time as well, so kind of like played against some of the guys I couldn't play against like years previously. It was it was good to actually play against that kind of that teams again, you know? Sliding doors moan, as I say again... Sword's Law, I signed for Dundee, stuck to my decision, and then Hamilton won it the last week of the season or whatever, and they went up. So, but Colin, as I say, don't sign a pre-contract, don't sign a pre-contract, sign a pre-contract. So I told you not to sign a pre-contract. And Colin says, I've never had to sign a pre-contract in my life, Craig. I says, yeah, but at the same time, you're 33, you're 33 years of age and Rangers signed you for 3.5 million, you know, you're a millionaire. You don't have to worry about pre-contracts, you know. Um, but he kind of left. John Brown had came in at the time, and um, I was injured at the end of my Clyde. My Clyde days. I did. I, I, I'm one of these guys that never been really injured in my life. And then um, I trained because I had no money that first season at Clyde. When I came back, I had no money after my Canadian holiday. I spent the summer on the in the flat in the hellhole, and uh, right on the fort, I was a member of the gym. So I just used to go to the gym every day and run on the treadmill. Came back the next season, start pre-season, and I'm playing Rangers in a pre-season friendly. Kind of pulled my groin. I'd never pulled a muscle before. I'm not quick enough to pull a muscle. So turned out I'd, uh, it developed into a, a hernia. Wasn't properly diagnosed. I mean, I was 20, 21, pardon me, 21 at the time. And I was uh, I was walking like a cripple the next day. Couldn't move. Kind of got through it, got through it to the end of that season. And then uh, was booked in with the, 
one of the directors at Clyde was a doctor at the, the Garden Abel in Glasgow and he put me onto this guy and I swear he must have used a spoon to do it. Um, kind of fix this operative, this hernia sort of thing. And uh, I never really healed properly. Um, I kind of had a bit more cash that second year. So I, I managed to save up to go on a holiday, but I went on holiday 13 days after this major operation. We might just lie about on the beach, but end up in the water and all sort of stuff. Long story short, I got infected, put me out for another six, seven weeks, signed my pre-contract. I said, played the first half of the season in pain, signed a pre-contract that following season to go to Dundee, went to Dundee and uh, was injured at the time. Didn't actually make a debut link for Dundee till I think about a year into my contract because of this this problem. A very similar to, if you've seen the article that Greg Tansy put out not so long ago about the, the osteitis pubis and stuff and his pain and his, his groins. I had yeah. exactly the same thing. I had exactly the same thing. Um, osteitis pubis, they didn't know what it was. I was getting injections. I was in pain. I was breaking down from pain. And I nearly chucked football at the age of 24 because we couldn't get to the bottom of this. Unfortunately, Dundee were a bit more money at the time. Uh, Callum Melville had just came in as well and basically he paid for a private operation for me to go to London and get seen to and a guy down there a guy called Steve Schnooks he um, he saved my career to be honest so I've had uh, three hernia operations in the same place and I've had the other side done also two adductor releases so I mean I had six or seven operations to go in. and it got me back playing football eventually got on the pitch for Dundee and again <clears throat> the Dundee era for me was one that I looked back on frustration um, mm. As I say, when I signed there, a lot of intentions, a lot of bonuses getting thrown about, a lot of money getting kicked about. I was injured. I didn't. I wasn't part of any of that when Melville first took over because I wasn't playing. Yeah. Um, we signed Lee Griffiths. We signed Gary Harkins. You know, we seriously invested Richie Hart, Sean Higgins. You know, um, a lot of Darren Young, a lot of good players had signed for Dundee. Big push to try and get in the Premier League, um, and I wasn't part of it because I was injured. Jockey Scott, wonderful, wonderful man, wonderful human being, wonderful, wonderful manager. The club decided to make a change when we were three mil- we were three points good at the top of the league. Um, they changed Jockey Scott and took in Gordon Chisholm and Billy Dodds. The same two guys that I'd obviously said no to, <laughs> said yes to, but no to two years ago or something. Oh, no, here we go. Um, but one of the things I will, will always st- stipulate that all the managers that I've played for at full-time level, I was always playing if I was fit. Um, yeah. Which is something I kind of can 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 take as an achievement, you know. I was never one of the guys was sitting on the bench. If I, like there was, I was always playing. If I was fit, um, and once I got over my injury issues at Dundee, um, I, I played in the team, and I think I did okay. Don't get me wrong. Um, maybe could have gone a bit better. Could have won a bit more games, but that's celery, you know. Um, and then obviously along came the uh, the administration fiasco at Dundee. Um, I remember being injured, as I say, and I was playing on a golf day because I was just coming back from injury. I was, I was one of the ones who was allowed to go on this golf day represent the club sort of thing. I was playing with the the, the, go, uh, the Dundee accountant. He'd been Dundee accountant for 20 years or something, so part of the furniture. Got to the end of the game of golf and said, look, Craig, it's been really good to meet you, but I won't be playing next year because I'm actually leaving the club in a month's time. I says, what are you really doing? He says, oh, I'm just leaving the football club. And now when I look back now, I now know why he left it, but he knew something was happening. And then two months later, we obviously we went into administration and administration was just uh, horrific, you know. Um, when I was at the football club at Dundee, Jockey had offered me a new contract. I was, I was one of the first people Jockey had given a new deal to in improved terms. So I'd, I'd signed my, my best contract I ever, ever made at football mm-hmm. under Jockey. Uh, two-year deal, happy as Larry, so I think. And then administration came in. 
they got rid of uh, well the following season they they got rid of Jockey, um, took Chizzy on. Chizzy had been in the role for three four months just feel for him. Gave up his job, sort of dodgy and everyone. Good contracts and then three months in there was obviously told that the surplus to requirements because of administration. And I didn't really understand how administration works and I still don't if I'm being really honest. But the main thing for Dundee Football Club was to keep their status as a championship football club. That's all they had. Mm. They didn't have anything else um, other than the football club status and the assets for the players. So Gary Harkins and Lee Griffiths, two highest paid players and the two best players I had in the league at the time, both agreed to leave to free up wages to keep maybe four people because their wages were kept our two players. Dundee didn't allow them to do that because they felt they needed Gary and Lee to stay in the division because the whole point was to stay in the division to keep the status. Yeah, That's when the SPFL at the time, different governing body to SFA, and there was no rule at the time for the SFL. It was only in the SPL there was a rule. Hmm. They made this this 25-point thing. Um, but the day of actually administration was torture. Friends and good, well, one of my good friends that was a Clyde with me obviously came to Dundee with me. He was one of the unfortunate ones that were let go. Um, it was being like being back at, uh, at Dunfermline again, 18, waiting to find out what your fate was. I went in for the discussion with, um, with the, the director and the administrator. Fortunately, I just got the thanks, but you're going to be getting kept. Nothing's going to change. You'll get paid your wages. Everything's going to be the same. No deductions. I thought I was going to get a deduction. Right? No, no, I made you go. So I kind of ran out the door sort of thing. Mm. Um, but I remember that that journey we went on from when the squad became, I think there was 12 of us in the end. We only had 12 players fully fit. And we, we went on that incredible, incredible, incredible journey where um, we managed to win 23 games or 25 games unbeaten or something, um, overcome the points deficit and stay up, which was just uh, probably my greatest feat, if I'm being honest, as a footballer. Because um, had the football club not stayed up, dare say Dundee Football Club might not have been here today. Don't get me wrong. The, 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 it was like fairy tale stuff that year, you know. Boys that came in and played with us helped out. We had a fan come on that played for Lockheed, you know, he yeah, lives yeah. his dream. He played an, an absolute blinder, you know. We had uh, Neil Neil McCann came back and played with Stephen Robb, founder of Be Inspired. He came in and played. We just had boys come out of the woodworks to play for a game of football for us, you know. Mm. Um, and it was just an incredible, incredible time. Um, Barry Smith, we're a, we're, a, we're a good team. There's no getting away. Our first team at Dundee that that that, that season was was a, was a very strong team, you know. Um, Craig Forsyth, who's, who's playing straight very well done, uh, down in Derby now, he's done well in the Championship. We had uh, Gary Hart, as I say, Lee Griffiths, Stephen O'Donnell playing in the middle of the park, Sean Higgins up front, Gary Irvin, who's fourth manager at right back, myself, Reese Weston playing centre half, Reese has played for, for Wales, big Rab Douglas in goals. Left-back Marty Lockwood, again, super football player. Nicky Riley on the right, which is a right good team. Um, Fozzie on the left. So that team's always going to do well. I think the problem we had was the following season. We obviously lost three main players in, in Harkins, Griffiths and, um, and Forsyth. And then obviously Reese Weston decided to go and try something else. Um, but it was just an incredible, incredible journey, you know. For listening to the Highway Me podcast, hope you can join me next time for another interesting interview.